Welcome to worship at Providence Presbyterian Church on this Sunday, April 25th, 2021. We are located at 2401 Broad Avenue. The property committee will hold an outside workday on Saturday, May 1st, beginning at 8 a.m. We will be weeding, painting lines, trimming bushes, etc. Please bring gloves and any tools that you may need. Thank you. Now is the time to order your geraniums for the Pentecost service. Fill out the attached form and place it in a pew envelope with your payment. Orders are due by Sunday, May 9th. The cost is $5.50 for a geranium in a four and a half inch pot. Providence Presbyterian Church will be open for prayer from 12 p.m. until 3 p.m. on Thursday, May 6th. The National Day of Prayer is observed annually on the first Thursday in May. This day, observance, designated by the United States Congress, asks people to turn to God in prayer and meditation. This year's theme is Love, Life, and Liberty. For more information, go to www.nationaldayofprayer.org. We thank those of you who are currently able to support the church with your offerings. It truly is a blessing in enabling us to keep current in paying church expenses. Now, let us prepare our hearts for worship as we listen to the prelude. Let us join together in our call to worship. O Lord, our God, we praise you. We cry to you for help, and you answered us. You have restored our lives. You have rescued us from the grave. Let us worship God. Let us pray. Living Lord, you meet us in unexpected places and surprise us with the abundance of your love. Feed us by your word and fill us with your spirit, 
so that we may follow you this day and always. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen. soul is suffering in silence, call out to the Lord our God, who heals our brokenness, who lifts us up from the pit and restores our lives. Let us confess our sin. Lord God, in the light of your glory, we see the evil we have done, the suffering we have caused, the good we have refused, and the truth we have denied. Heal us from our sin. Wash us in your mercy, and feed us with your grace, so that we may follow you your way, and tell the good news of the gospel. Amen. Rise up from the dust, cast off the shroud of sorrow, and put on the joy of the Lord. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God.
Rise up from the dust, cast off the shroud of sorrow, and put on the joy of the Lord. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. As we prepare to hear the word of God, let us pray. O Lord of light, by the power of your Holy Spirit, restore our sight that in these words of Scripture and sermon we may see Christ in whose name we pray, Amen. Our Old Testament lesson today is taken from Psalm 30. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me up out of the depths, and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord my God, I call to you for help, and you heal me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead, you spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. Our New Testament lesson is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. 
Then the disciples, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped the, his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three, but even with so many the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Then again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. Here ends our readings from God's word, and may he bless them to our hearts and our lives. Amen. Well, I recently took up the hobby of fishing again recently, in particular bass fishing. I used to fish uh, on occasion back when I uh, ministered in Ohio. It was fairly easy because one of the members of the congregation had his own uh, stocked lake on his property, and so I could go there and fish and didn't even have to worry about having a fishing license. Um, and, um, you know, being a stocked lake, uh, it's fairly easy to catch fish. It was, they weren't large bass, but they were numerous. And so uh, barely a time went by when I went fishing that I didn't catch uh, two or three bass, uh, some of which I would, uh, would uh, take home and eat, and most of which I uh, caught and released back into the, into the uh, small uh, lake. Uh, but when I moved here to uh, Altoona, I tried once or twice when we first moved here, but, you know, I went fishing at uh, Canoe Creek, and I just didn't seem to catch anything. Uh, but recently, I've uh, make, been making contact with Reverend uh, Brian Choi from the uh, Ward Avenue Presbyterian Church here in town, and Brian is an avid fisherman, and Brian has been giving me help in learning not only how better to fish, 
but also what are the good places to fish along the shore of uh, Canoe, you know, uh, Canoe Creek. And also, uh, we haven't gotten there yet, but uh, up at uh, Glendale Lake and perhaps some other places. Uh, one place we went was a, a stretch of the Junietta River that's noted for its smallmouth bass up toward Alexandria. And uh, so I've only gone fishing a couple times so far. Uh, the first time I went with Brian, it was early. It was just uh, sort of the uh, later part of March, and it was still kind of cold, and uh, the fish just weren't really uh, biting right then. But I went again recently uh, by myself over to uh, Canoe Creek and uh, along the, the uh, one part there off of uh, uh, one sec part of the lake. And I managed to catch uh, one small bass that day, one uh, large mouth bass that day. I was really happy about it. And uh, so I've taken up fishing again. Uh, in our New Testament lesson here, we have a a story uh, about fishing. Uh, it's interesting to note that this 21st chapter with its talk about uh, Peter and a group of six other disciples going fishing, uh, it, it seems like an anticlimax almost. Uh, looking at chapter 20, we see that it's, it almost sounds like we've come to the end of the book. And the story wraps up with a with the resounding words, "These signs were are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in His name." What a great ending! However, just when it sounds like it's all over, there's one more story, sort of like a play when the curtain comes down, uh, an actor steps out on stage and from the curtain, and he delivers an epilogue, uh, a postscript to the drama that has unfolded before us. Uh, there seems to be some fear that we might not have gotten the meaning of all that was said and heard, and so with one more unforgettable story is offered. Um, chapter 20 tells us the story of the resurrection and Jesus' appearances to Mary and the other disciples. And... Uh, in 2030 and 31, the fourth evangelist states that the purpose of the gospel that is concluded. And commentators generally agree that chapter 21 is an epilogue. There are some of those who say, well, it was an epilogue written by somebody other than the writer of the rest of the book and it was written at a later date. But there's no evidence that John was ever circulated with a, just ending with chapter, what we call chapter 20. It's always had chapter 21, so I believe that the same hand that wrote chapters 1 through 20, and I believe that that was John, uh, the son of Zebedee, um, that he wrote these, he wrote these uh, stories, and, and uh, so um, that this is an authentic part of the book of John. The original healer, uh, readers and hearers of John's Gospel and the epilogue probably knew the traditions about the disciples having nothing to show for their labors until Christ guided them. The epilogue says, in effect, if you're going to fulfill the mission entrusted to you, you will need the risen Christ to be guiding and feeding you. 
uh, you know, here we are. It's chapter 21. Uh, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's appeared a couple times on Sundays uh, to the disciples, but in between time, he is vanished from their sight. Uh, they don't know how to find him exactly. And so they're, they're you know, the disciples and, and Peter, I mean, particularly Peter, uh, he had uh, denied he had known Christ three times. So what's going to happen now? Uh, is Jesus going back to the Father in heaven? Yeah, he talked about that. So what are they going to do? And so Peter, who was not just a, uh, a sport fisherman like uh, I am, he was a, a true commercial fisherman. He thought, well, what he would do is fall back to his old uh, way of making a living. Uh, he was going to go fish. And he told the, the six other disciples who were with him where the others were, why they weren't there with him. We don't aren't told, but he tells this group that's that are mentioned by name here. He says, well, I'm going fishing. And Peter has... The natural talent of being a leader it needs to be taken be uh, taken care of by Jesus guiding him in this but he hasn't he's got natural tact for leadership and so when he says I'm going fishing the others say well we'll go fishing with you so they get into the boat and go out fishing now in on the lake of Galilee the Sea of Tiberias as it's sometimes called they fish not during the daytime but during the night and so they go fishing all night, and as is sometimes the case, even for commercial fishermen, they caught nothing. So as the day dawns, they're very weary and are fruitless for their labors, and so they head back to shore. And um, when they get towards shore, they see somebody walking along the seashore. They don't know who it is. I don't know if it's just the distance or if it's a combination of things, just as uh, Mary did not recognize Jesus and the two on the way to the Emmaus didn't recognize Jesus. Maybe something here is going on too. But they don't know who Jesus is and they just hear a voice, that, which they don't even recognize the voice, call out to them, uh, children, have you, ha have you caught nothing? And, you know, probably with a sad and frustrated voice, they call back across the water, no, nothing. And the voice comes, calls back. And he said, throw the net to the right side of the boat and you'll catch something. Well, you know, doing that was not something that was uncommon. In those days, sometimes boats would have, quote, their own spotter who would stand up on a hill and give signals that, you know, hey, the, the, the shoal of fish seems to be this way. But this guy wasn't, uh, he was there at sea level with them, but he said, throw the net, the, you know, the nets to the right of the boat. So they said, so what, you know, hey, we're tired, but what, you know, what will it hurt? And so they gathered the net together and cast it one more time to the right of the boat in hope against hope. And all of a sudden, whoosh! The water's churning, and the net is the net's so full of fish it's about ready to break. And this reminds uh, John of something that happened earlier on. Uh, the first time that 
Jesus was in Peter's boat. And Jesus, you know, it was the morning after uh, Peter had been out fishing all night. And John was probably there. Uh, and he caught nothing. And so Jesus says, put out to deep water after he let uh, Peter let him use his boat for preaching. He said, let out into the deep water and let out your nets. Peter, who suddenly you know, knew that Jesus at this point was just a, a, a preacher, uh, perhaps a rabbi. What, does, what do rabbis know about fishing? And, but he says, well, Lord, if you say so, I'll, I'll do it. And he did so, and all of a sudden the nets are filled with fish to the point where they were breaking. And he yelled to John and James's brother in their boat, you know, come here and give us a hand. And both, both boats are almost swamped by the number of fish. And, Jesus, and it says that Peter fell to his knees, said, you know, leave me, Lord, I am a wicked man. At that point, Jesus says to him, I will make you a fisher of men. So here they are at the other end of Jesus's ministry. Uh, here's Peter, who has now denied no, even knowing the Lord three times. And Jesus has appeared. And Peter is so excited, he doesn't want to take a chance on missing Jesus. He, you know, he stripped off most of his clothes, at least, to, because it was hot, probably, and it was sweaty work fishing. Throws them on, wraps them around him, and doesn't even wait for the boat. He dives into the water and swims to shore. Well, the rest of them, you know, I mean, they're excited, too. They want to see Jesus, but they don't want to lose these fish, either. And so they take, you know, they bring, take their boat to shore. They're only about a football field off the shore, away from the shore, and they're dragging these nets behind them. When they get on shore, there's Jesus. He's also there by a, 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 a coal fire, a charcoal fire that he has made. And on this charcoal fire is some fish that he's been cooking, preparing to eat, and some bread. And uh, Jesus says to them, well, bring, you know, bring some of the fish you've just caught. And it says, Peter, climbs onto the boat and drags the net ashore and they count 153 fish now there's been a lot of stories why 153 fish some have said because there were 153 varieties of fish they knew of at that time and so it represented all the the nations of the earth and i'm not saying that's wrong but the key thing is to show that this is a very very large number of fish that's caught and it says that peter took a few of those and brought those over and they put those on the fire to cook as well. And then when everything is ready, they sit down and, and Jesus hosts this meal. Like the table fellowship that they have enjoyed with Jesus on many previous occasions. So they know it's, they, you know, they, they're, they're, they're afraid to talk, but they know it's Jesus here. So they enjoy the meal. And um, the idea is that this part of the story that's being led here is the fact that if you're going to accomplish the mission Jesus wants for you to do, you need Jesus's help. Yeah, you need to be willing to, to do what Jesus tells you. You must be willing to go out and share the gospel with those you meet or serve God in the way you believe he's calling you to serve. But you don't do it on your own. You don't do it by your own strength. You can only be successful when you have Jesus there to 
to guide you and, and to empower you to, to do these things. But here we come to the end of the meal and uh, Jesus takes Peter aside and he says to him, you know, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And uh, the idea more than these can refer to either one of two things. More than these, meaning the other disciples, because uh, on that night Jesus was betrayed, Peter said, I don't care if all the rest of these people, uh, all these other disciples abandon you. I'll never leave you. I'm willing to die for you. And he immediately uh, denied he even knew Jesus. Or it could mean Jesus saying, do you love me more than these, meaning the fishing boat and the nets and the fish? In other words, did uh, Peter love uh, Jesus more than he loved his earthly uh, job of fishing? And um, so Peter responds, "You, you know, you know me, Lord. You know I love you. Know, I love you more than than these others." And then Jesus says the second time, do you love me? And just the expression, do you love me? Not any, not more than any other one else. Just do you love me? And, and once again, Peter says, you, Lord, you know me. You know that I love you. And then a third time, Jesus says to Peter, Simon, son of Peter, do you even love me? Now, if you look at the Greek here, you see that there's two different Greek words being used here for love. The first two times that Jesus spoke to Peter, Peter, uh, Jesus said, do you love me? Do you agape me? The, the God kind of love with, you know, do you love me with the kind of love that God loves you? And Peter responds, Lord, you know that I love you. And the word here is filio, meaning brotherly love. He's, he, he, he knows that he's fallen short. He's knows that he has denied his Lord, and so he, he's uh, hesitant to take upon his lips that he loves uh, God with, he loves Jesus with that kind of love. But the third time, Jesus uses filio. Do you love, do you even love me? And it says that Peter was discouraged and disheartened because Jesus said a, a third time, do you love even love me? And so some people have made a big deal of the fact, the two different kinds of love, but in Jesus' day, uh, these two words were often used interchangeably. They only became separated later on. The key the fact is, though, that three times Peter denied Jesus. Three times Jesus gives Peter a time to reaffirm his love for his master. The idea, you know, we, we t tend to focus on our failures. Uh, Peter was focusing on his failure, how he denied Jesus. And he didn't think it was worthy to be, you know, Jesus had made him uh, sort of the leader over the rest of the disciples, uh, leader of the uh, early church. He was to be the leader of the early church. Peter, because of his failures, didn't think he could do this. But now Jesus gives him a threefold opportunity. Just as he denied Jesus three times, he's given uh, a three-time opportunity to reaffirm his love for Jesus. And so the idea is not to focus on the failure, but to focus on God's faithfulness to us, God's grace, that he's willing to engage Peter and us into ministry uh, so that even someone whose life has been marked by uh, impetuosity, 
in denial, uh, he's able to be reestablished to leadership. Now, the miraculous catch of fish, no doubt, is a symbol as well as a surprise. Jesus is still uh, the disciples' champion, aiding them in the struggle of their labors. But more than that, he wants to direct their work. And with his help, they will find catches beyond their wildest belief. The symbolism can be applied to the church in its work. As Jesus worked through the direction of the Father, so too the disciples must work at the word of Jesus. He is our co-worker, and with him success is assured. But we have here uh, mixed metaphors. You know, there was the catch of the fish. But as Jesus is talking to Peter, he changes the metaphor from catching fish. They were to you know, be fishers of men, but now there was an additional emphasis to the ministry. It was to be a shepherd, to feed the sheep, to tend the lambs. Uh, this is uh, a charge for contemporary church leaders today. Uh, the idea is not just bringing people to Christ, but discipling these people to, to help them grow and be fruitful Christians uh, despite their weaknesses and shortcomings. In fact, we may well see that Peter's literary role in this chapter as a reflection of our own leadership, complete, complete with its personal struggles and wounds. Through Peter's healing, we may get, gain insight into our own. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us join then together now in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, our own, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us prepare our hearts for prayer. 
O Lord our God, we cry to you for help. We pray for those who are persecuted for their faith. Give them freedom, peace, and safety. We pray for those who breathe curses and threats. Give them new hearts and new lives to glorify you. We pray for those who work by day and night. Give them satisfaction and rest from their labors. We pray for those who fear for their effort, that their efforts are in vain. Fill their lives with your providence and grace. We pray for all who suffer in sickness and grief. Guide them in healing, hope, and joy. We pray for the faithful in every nation on the earth. Give them voices to praise your name forever. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, who loves us, who feeds us, who saves us. Amen. Now let us join together in the Lord's Prayer. I believe in God the Father Almighty. Make that there's a mistake there, excuse me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen.
Jesus said, Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, follow me. To the one who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory, and might forever and ever. Amen. We thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope you have been blessed and God has been glorified. May you have a God-blessed week. We look forward to you joining us again next Sunday and invite your friends to listen. Thank you.